Hello and welcome to the Church Society podcast. I'm Ros Clark, I'm the Associate Director of Church Society and I'm your host here on these podcasts. In a minute I'm going to be talking to Ed Moll. Ed is the Vicar of St George's Wemden, one of our Church Society Trust parishes down in the West Country. But first I just wanted to let you know about the Fellowship of Word and Spirit conference that will be happening in February 2019. Fellowship of Word and Spirit Conference has been running for many years and for the last few years Church Society were pleased to be one of the joint hosts of the conference. Now of course since the merger Church Society and Fellowship of Word and Spirit are one organisation so of course we are continuing uh, to host this conference but so that everybody will know that it is uh, the same kind of conference we've been running for the last few years it's still called the Fellowship of Word and Spirit Conference. This year, the main speaker at the conference is Tim Ward, uh, who will be speaking uh, about the Reformed Doctrine of Scripture. Tim is a tutor in homiletics at Oak Hill College uh, and has written a book on the Doctrine of Scripture and indeed wrote his PhD thesis on the Doctrine of Scripture. And he is going to be helping us to understand a bit more about uh, what's now known as the theological interpretation of Scripture and how that relates to a reform doctrine of scripture? Should we be looking uh, at some pre-Reformation approaches to scripture, pre-critical, uh, pre-Enlightenment approaches to scripture? Uh, but also, how should we be understanding that uh, in terms of ministry uh, today? So uh, Tim will be taking the three main sessions. The conference is called Live the Word, Refreshment in the Reform Doctrine of Scripture, and that will be the focus. One of the wonderful things about the Fellowship of Word and Spirit Conference is always that they uh, give sufficient and more and really ample time for discussion and application and understanding of what we're being taught. So rather than going away filled with ideas that you haven't really had time to process, the conference is, is designed so that there will be processing time built in. So each main session is followed up with a seminar that looks at some of those same kind of issues. There's time to discuss them, apply them, pray them through. And it really is a conference that is designed to build fellowship. Um, so as I say, there's time to pray with each other and time uh, that's given to, to build and strengthen relationships. It's a conference uh, that's open to clergy and to lay people. Conference that's always encouraged people to come together with their spouses where that's uh, possible and appropriate. Um, and it's a really wonderful time of spiritual refreshment uh, as well as engagement uh, with God's Word and God's people. Um, yes, from the brochure, we are a genuine fellowship with plenty of time given for spiritual encouragement and prayer, for cultivating friendships old and new, and for resting from the usual frantic pace of ministry. We hope it will be a time of genuine spiritual and physical refreshment. That is certainly my experience of the conference in the past, and I uh, have no doubt it will be in the future as well. So if that sounds like something you would be interested in, or somebody in your church might be interested in, you can find more information about that on the Church Society website, where you'll also find uh, the booking form that you can download and details of how you book in for that. That is the Fellowship of Word and Spirit Conference in February 2019. So with that said, uh, we're now going to hear uh, my conversation with Ed, finding out about uh, his church uh, and what we can be uh, encouraged by and praying for uh, in his ministry there. Ed, you are vicar of a church society 
Trust Parish. Can you tell us where that is and what, what church it is? So I'm at St George's Wemden. Wemden is a village on the edge of Bridgewater. Uh, Bridgewater is a town halfway between Bristol and Exeter on the M5, or exactly a halfway between London and Cornwall, if that's one of your regular journeys. Is it really? <laughs> and um, is it as delightful as that makes it sound? Is it the kind of place where, where people are on escape to the country buying very expensive houses? Uh, yes and no. So there's a sense that once we, we um, go past a certain point of the M5, we think we're on our way home and everyone else thinks they're on their way to their holidays. Right. So there's a joy to living in the West Country. Um, but Bridgewater itself is um, it's not a sort of picturesque area. It's, um, it's a depressed, working-class town. Um, I mean, it's got lovely countryside around. Um but it, it's a place where people live, a place where people have worked, but industry has gone. And um, so that's that's where we are. So people who live there now, if there's not a lot mm. of industry there, are they commuting to Bristol and Exeter? Is it that sort of thing? What, what sort of community mm. exists there at the moment? So um, in terms of the people who've been here for a while, uh, perhaps a generation or so, they would have come post-war to work in the factories but those have gone, um, and so you have the, that sort of depressed glory has gone mm. sense. There is some work in Bridgewater, but it's not manufacturing work, it's um, distributing depots, um, there's a little bit of work at the power station, which I'll talk about uh, probably later. And then people who move to Bridgewater will move to Bridgewater because they can't afford to live where they're actually working, right. which might be Taunton or Western Supermare. And so they might be commuting up and down the motorway. Right. Yeah. OK. And Wemden itself, uh, suburbs or, or sort of separate village, um, is that a, a rural community? Is that an agricultural community? A bit of everything. So Wemden is a village on the edge of Bridgewater. Bridgewater is about thirty to 40,000 people. Wemden's about 1,800, 2,000 people. Used to be a separate village, but mm. now there are houses between us, and so there's continuous housing between us and right. Bridgewater. The parish itself consists of Wemden, um, the bits of Bridgewater near us, which includes some quite deprived parts of the parish, and then behind us is a village uh, hamlet called Perry Green, um, which has got a, a few sheep and cows and a couple of farms, okay. and, and that's it. So we, we have a bit of a mix, but... Really, we are a a part of Bridgewater. That's the best way to Fine. think of it. Fine. And you just have you're a, a single parish benefice. Single parish benefice, and we keep that a secret because. <laughs> <laughs> Great. No, wonderful. And so, tell us about uh, the church itself. Uh, what sort of numbers do you get? What sort of demographic? Mm. Are they older, younger families? Yeah. Who do you have? Yeah. So um, the church were about 110 adults and about. 20 or 30 children um, and uh, what kind of people do we get I suppose just over half would come from the parish okay. and uh, many of those would be sort of Wemden people excuse me <coughs> um, but we do draw from across the town and we are biased towards older people so I reckon our median age is somewhere between 60 65 which means we have a, a wonderful older generation of people who've been around for 30 years and they've seen the church through its time. We've, we're getting more families in and we're, we're building up that critical mass. But that, that's where our challenge is. 
both in terms of building up the families, but also that the the older generation are leading and conducting a range of activities that the younger generation is, are simply not going to be able to carry on yeah. um, in time. That there just aren't enough shoulders to yeah, carry. Yes, so and obviously work. the older generation are just going to get older and at some point not be able to carry that either. Um, yeah, I mean, for the moment, yeah. um, what I discovered, we've had a number of people in their 60s and 70s, and people in their 60s and 70s have a lot of energy and experience. And time, very often. And, and they're very productive. Um, but uh, people who are coming up after them, even when they are going to be 60 and 70, won't have time in that shape. Yeah, OK. So things are going to be different. OK. Mm. And um, how long have you been at the church, Ed? So I've been here 11 years. Okay. And has it previously had an evangelical ministry before that? I mean, we'd like to think that church started Mm. parishes might do, but sometimes all sorts of things have happened in the past and that's not necessarily the case. Has it always been an evangelical place? It's had about 50 years of evangelical ministry. So uh, one, two, three previous incumbents. Mm. And um, so over that time... Uh, um, it's gained a reputation as being an evangelical church. Um, that said, um, I think the incumbents have been of slightly different flavours, so there hasn't been a great deal of consistency. And the other thing to bear in mind is that there doesn't appear to be any other kind of clear Bible-teaching evangelical church like us in Bridgewater. I feel that in a town of this size there should be two churches, there should be us and there should be an FIEC church, but there isn't. And that's meant that um, we have welcomed warmly uh, people from a whole range of evangelical backgrounds. Right. And so um, while um, there's been some consistency, we're holding t- together a-, a lovely, varied bunch of people. I think that's very often the case, isn't it, in, in um, smaller towns or in rural places. you mm. There isn't just the variety of, of options for people to choose from that there might be in a larger place or in a city Mm. and so you do end up with a church um yeah of people from different sorts of backgrounds and and holding together in some kind of gospel unity which is great but brings with it its own um potential pressures and and potential um yeah differences it it, it, it can do i think i have to say people have been wonderful here and it gives us the freedom to plant the flag where we think it should be planted mm. and say come here rather than being polarised away from um, a bit of ground because that slightly more yeah, this somebody else is doing that has, already. has pinched it um, so, so that's what we've done and I have to say when I was um, thinking about this a few years ago the oldies are, are the most flexible group in terms of just seeing the bigger picture that's wonderful. Um, so that's been great to see. That's really wonderful mm. to hear, isn't it? And actually that speaks to a, a real spiritual maturity um, mm. as well as uh, in age. And so over that time, what sort of uh, changes and, and developments and, and things have you seen in the church? What, what do you look back and see God doing? Um, <clears throat> I think the, the main thing I, I think we can see is a, an increase in, I suppose, the consistency and... We've been trying to work on strength in depth of um, the church family. Mm. So quite a lot of that, I suppose, has, has gone on under the hood. Um, um, but I think we are, we are beginning to see the fruits of that in terms of people's confidence um, in their own Christian life, their determination to be faithful and to see what that looks like. 
And I think also uh, people coming, I mean, I, I guess a number of them are really transfers, but they are coming because of the ministry. And we're beginning to be able to feed that through into different bits. It's not that it hasn't been done before. Yeah. Um, I just hope it's a bit more consistent. And I suppose I've been able to fill in some of the gaps that were not areas of strength for my predecessor. Sure. Um, but build on, on the areas of strength that he did have. So sure. um, that that's the for the spiritual side. Um, physically, and this has been a bit of a big issue, we have we bought a school 25 years ago, which is right next to the school, uh, the church, and um, the outbuildings were um, wartime prefabs. Wow. Put up for five years and yeah. typical church fashion. 70 years in, later, still clinging right. on. Yeah. Yes. So uh, they, they had to go and be rebuilt, and that was for us a significant building project and, and loomed large in people's minds because they knew it needed to happen, but mm. we, we just didn't feel ready. So that was finished 18 months ago and um so you say so it was a school is it that is now a church hall or it's our yes right it's yeah. our it's our parish center so we have a hall and outside rooms and it's lovely plant um and the school has just moved to the other side of the village um so but i think that for for a chunk of the church family that's felt like crossing the finish line yes we've rebuilt the parish center that's fine I, the rest of us realise that we've just crossed the start line. Yeah. Um, and uh, so part of it has been working out how to manage these buildings and then another part of it is, is working out how to um, develop our reach into the community with, with these facilities. Yes, now that you've got this amazing resource, what, mm. what are you going to do with it? And, and what yeah. sort of things are you planning to do with that? So there's already quite a bit of use uh, with local clubs so we run a coffee shop five mornings a week and we run a few activities a toddler group and so on and then other people come in and run bridge clubs and art clubs and so on what we've been able to do is to appoint a parish centre development worker who starts next week great and her her brief is to develop the reach of the parish centre into the community so part of it is that she'll give some of her time to just getting on top of all the policies and procedures. And the that, admin that, that goes that's with right. that kind all of, of that. work, yes. Um, but really it is to, to expand the reach. So some of that will be getting new people in, but we what we want is new types of people in, as it were. So people who are beyond our current reach, different parts of the community. Um, and part of that background is that one of the big things affecting Bridgewater is that Hinkley Point C is being built. That's a new nuclear power station is eight miles up the road. It's Europe's largest building site. Gosh. It's a huge amount of money. It's going to be 10 or 15 years. Wow. Um, and it's, uh, I think, between three and 8,000 people on site at Goodness various points. Goodness me. Okay, so, so that's a really big impact in terms really of the It's a really big area. impact. Um, and so we have a lot of people who've come in for that. Yeah. And Bridgewater is typically a kind of white working class and Somerset's a fairly white county so as these people come in I mean they're coming in from other parts of the UK at the moment but they're not all white males with a West um, Country accent with a West Country accent yeah. so we are already beginning to get some you're not from around here and of yeah. course the ethnic and the cultural mix is going to increase yeah. and that's that provides opportunities and challenges yeah um but we see within that that we are well placed to serve this community, so Wemden, but also the, 
the bits of Bridgewater near us, which includes some some deprived parts, mm. um, to say we can run activities or host activities which will help you to either integrate if you're coming in here, help you to work through the issues of all these other people coming here, or help you access services that you now lo- can no longer get to because the traffic is so bad in Bridgewater you can't get to the other side of Bridgewater to yes. to your your class or whatever it is. So we have opportunities to do that. Um, so it's not just about getting rent in, it's about mm. really getting getting people to do things. I think that's really um, exciting actually to see something which is clearly going to be a big upheaval in all kinds of ways um, in terms of community but also those kind of practical things you're talking about with transport and and um, uh, changing the sort of ethnic diversity. Mm. I mean, I can see that there will be people, and you're talking about people who've been there their whole lives, quite scary potentially, mm. but also hugely exciting because when everything's thrown up in the air, you've got to do new things. You've got to go out of your comfort zone a bit. And, mm. um, and to see um, gospel opportunities in that, you know, as, as the world comes to Wembledon, in, in a slightly new mm. way, um, you know, the potential for doing ministry amongst different kinds of groups of people and more people, um, I think it's really exciting. And to see that you're in a position where you have already begun to think about that and you've got these new facilities and you've appointed a new mm. member of staff, you know, and actually being proactive in that, I think, mm. I think that's really exciting. Um, yeah. Yeah, so we're looking, you know, I'm looking forward to that. And I was struck uh, that we we need to be asking the right sorts of questions. So I think it was two years ago at Pentecost, we were thinking about diversity in God's family. And I kind of looked out and I thought, hmm, OK. Um, but I think we'd been praying for some diversity and then it turned up. So we have, I think, Bridgewater's only Korean couple, but they come to us. Yes, wonderful. And and uh, then we've had a few more. And as we started to look and ask that question, we welcome people and people can see it uh, as as being a normal part of the Christian life that yeah. we, we expect to welcome people from all kinds of cultures into the church family um, because God chooses the people. Yeah. Um, and so we see that as an opportunity, but there's going to be some learning to do. Yeah, of um, course. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and um, but also I was just thinking, you know, the likelihood is amongst that sort of influx, there will be people of, of different Christian backgrounds as well. But mm. actually, you're already in a position where you're used to there being some diversity at, at that sort of level as mm. well. So, you know, it just seems like God is, is kind of putting things in place to say, you know, that this is the new thing that I'm doing there. Mm. So normally at this point, I ask about the sort of challenges and, and opportunities mm. of ministry in in the kind of place yeah. you are. And I guess we've talked about that a bit, but I, I don't know whether there's any other particular things that well, the, you think. There is another one that kind of springs to mind, which is, I, I, I suppose, reaching across the economic divides. Right. So, um, I mean, typically I would characterise the, the parish areas as follows. So in, in Wemden, people will drive a van, but it'll be their own van, because they're a plumber or a plasterer. In in the next little part of the parish towards the town, they'll be driving a van, but it's someone else's van. Mm. And then in, in Newtown, which has some deprived parts in it, they'll be doing all sorts of different things. Um, and so within that context, although Wemden is the sort of upmarket end of Bridgewater, um, there's still a gap between 
um, our folk who are mainly sort of skilled tradesmen, yeah. and um, and some of the other folk who are much more vulnerable. Yeah. And actually, the Hinkley Point effect has left them even more vulnerable because um, a lot of prices and wages are going up. Yes, but, of course. But they're not getting that. So we are pondering what would happen if the Lord were to call and draw some some folk from those sorts of backgrounds. Yeah. How how good would we be at including them in not just in our church, but what then becomes their church as well? Yes. Um, and there have been a couple of little developments in in the town which have been quite exciting. So we have a food bank that that's kind of not too hard to set up. There are street pastors. We have a debt advocacy group, Grace Advocacy. So rather than going down the cap route, we've gone down that route. And that's small and just started up, but it's it's run by a couple of the churches, um, including some folk from us. And then a little project called Green Door Families, which aims to walk alongside vulnerable families for a little time so that they don't um, spiral down and then eventually get to a situation where they come to social services attention. Yeah. But we, we can walk with them a bit before. Mm. And um, the, I suppose the thinking behind it is, well, there is a need there and we want to try and do something yeah. rather than nothing. But within that, the, the model that, um, or the picture that somebody painted that I found quite helpful is if you think of that sort of social engagement as tilling the ground, mm. then when churches sow the seed... Um, people are willing to listen. And that was true in sort of Victorian times with all the philanthropists. Last generation or so, we've we've not been tilling the ground. And so as we've sowed the seed, it's fallen on hard ground. So this gives an opportunity to to Mm. till the ground again, Mm. but we also need to keep sowing. And if if that happens, and if people um, who've been helped with Grace Advocacy or through Green Door Families shown that practical love and said, do you know, I want to find out more about what, what's yeah. driving these people. I'd like to go to your church. We want to be able to say, please do come to our church rather than, well, yes, you should go to our church. You should go to a church, but I'm not sure our church yes. is the best one. Yes. Um, yeah. So that that's one area. That's the sort of far reach, if you like. Um, but actually there's a, a number of our neighbours um, who are just starting a very long way back in terms of their Christian understanding. And we have quite a mature church overall. And that means um, if if we're doing, we're trying to serve the breadth of the people who come. But when when we say to someone, come on a Sunday, it's still quite a leap, steep learning curve, even though we work really hard at all the normal things about accessibility and welcome and so on. Mm. It, it It's just a big big step for them yes yes and people just don't have any of that in their background at all very often these days and so everything is new and weird and Mm. yeah and then if it's also at a a slightly different level uh in terms of teaching and and understanding that's that's even more difficult yeah so so that's that's one area that we're we're exercised by at the moment Mm. okay that's Mm. great um so in terms of uh, things to pray for, I and mean, we do uh, love to pray for our Church Society Trust parishes, and we do that in the mm. regular prayer diary, but we don't generally have room for a lot of uh, detailed mm. information there. So this is really your chance to, to give us uh, some some more of that. Things uh, that you'd love us to be praying for uh, in the sort of immediate uh, circumstance, but also mm. uh, any of those longer-term things as well. 
Um, we rejoice in a number of people, a number of new people who've 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 joined us recently, who've tended to be transfers, and and that is good, and we want to use that responsibly to to build up a team to serve Bridgewater in some capacity. Um, we would love to see people actually converted yeah. and see some of that growth. Um, we would also uh, love to see the next generation of leaders raised up and in place uh, and um, and that I, th I think will take a bit of work I, I think um, people don't mind new leaders being raised up as long as they do what they're told but <laughs> but um, leaders learn to lead by leading mm. and when when they lead they don't necessarily make the decisions that we would have made and sometimes they get things wrong if it's their learning but mm. how else do mm. they learn yeah, yeah. Uh, but so a, a church which is where the leadership has been quite settled is quite good at what it does yeah. that it's quite hard to rock the status quo and so we're going to need quite a bit of courage to to take that on so i i think those two things would would right. make a difference um and and with that will will hopefully come um a a sort of nimbleness um we're quite good at doing what we've been doing for a bit but as soon as we try and do something different or something new it takes we're willing to do it, but it seems to take a lot of effort mm. to to do it. And mm. uh, I think there's something about just the way we organise ourselves, which I haven't figured out yet. OK, yes, to be able to just be more responsive and, mm. uh, and yeah, good. Well, it sounds like you may need, so it sounds like there may be some big changes happening. So to be able to, to be more nimble in, in meeting mm. those new uh, opportunities. It was great to talk to Ed and hear about uh, how the church is preparing and how God is preparing them for potential changes uh, coming up in the future. Who would have thought uh, the building of a nuclear power station could potentially have such an impact on a church and a parish? I continued talking to Ed and you'll be able to hear the rest of that conversation in another podcast uh, talking about a book that he has recently published with Latimer Trust on Anglican elders and the value of multiple leadership uh, within a parish. I found that a really interesting conversation uh, and as I say that will be coming up soon on the podcast as well. Meanwhile uh, thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed uh, this podcast please do subscribe to us. You can subscribe on iTunes or on your favourite podcast provider. You can of course always listen to the podcast via the Church Society website and please do think about sharing uh, that link and encouraging people you know who might be interested in it to listen. We'll be back next week. As always, thank you so much for listening and goodbye. Mm -hmm.